We're excited to be bringing you this podcast produced by our company, ADV Marketing. ADV Marketing develops high quality and cost-effective marketing materials for a wide range of businesses. Our relationship-driven business model and customized marketing solutions makes us the perfect partner for small businesses looking to grow. I'm Sarah, Creative Director at AEV Marketing. Join me here with the rest of my team on Marketing Matters every other Monday to discuss business-to-business marketing topics. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Marketing Matters Season 5, where we talk about everything Business related, not business. Marketing related. Marketing related. Morgan, see, I Marketing. trust you with the info and look what you've done. I just got done filming a video, guys. So <laughs> now I'm like two in my head about what I'm saying. Yeah, but, but it helps us relate to our clients. Yes, Morgan. we understand when y'all make mistakes when we're filming videos and can't get the words out because I cannot either. <laughs> <laughs> you did fine. Yeah, but I even introduce us. I'm one of your hosts, Morgan Hutcherson, joined here with Sarah Roberts today. Hello, everyone. If you haven't already seen us before. <laughs> yeah, that's this would be a great episode to start with. <laughs> it would. It would, really. Okay, what are we talking about today, Morgan? Today, we're talking about the psychology of marketing and how consumer behavior falls into it, which I think you'd be surprised when people say consumer behavior. A lot of them just associate it to business-to-consumer marketing, mm-hmm. but a lot of these techniques we can use in business-to-business marketing. Yeah, because they're innate human instinctual biases and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it is psychology, which I know like a lot of people's eyes glaze over. Okay, a lot of engineers' eyes glaze over when you think of psychology because of like soft science Mm -hmm. and all that. But they really are documented biases and they are generalized. So it's not so much that you do this on the daily every day. It's that as a whole, human, human beings have these biases and slants towards certain behaviors and actions. And if you're looking to control and manipulate behavior as marketing does, that's probably a really harsh description of what marketing does. Yeah, that's a a spoiler alert for later in the episode, but I feel like that's a nudge. (laughs) Yes. Or sludge towards marketing. Yes, and those are important. (laughs) But if you're looking to control how people react to certain things, you wanna know how they are going to automatically react to certain things. Mm -hmm. So you can control that behavior and understand what goes into that. So, Let's cover what we're going to talk about in each part of this podcast. We're going to talk about consumer behavior and biases. And then we're going to talk about the concepts of nudging and sludging. And then we're going to talk about how to incorporate these biases into daily practices of business. Mm -hmm. So let's get started, Morgan. Yeah, I guess. Do you want to just start off with what consumer behavior is? Because if y'all don't know this, Sarah actually studies that and does research for it on the side. So I feel like you're really the resident expert in consumer behavior. Supposedly. There's better (laughs) experts out there than me. But I do do side projects with Texas A&M in the consumer behavior department. And what we're going to talk about today are like fundamentals, like consumer behavior 101 stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go over the key biases that if you walk into a consumer behavior class, they're going to talk about these, especially if you're getting a marketing degree, (laughs) they're going to talk about these things in class. So every business owner should know these. So a business owner who hasn't taken a marketing class should know these going into thinking about what their messaging and their content strategy should be. Mm -hmm. Consumer behavior as a whole is how consumers in general react to things. And there is a big psychological component to that. So we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about 
choice structure, choice hierarchy, and then decision fatigue. We're going to talk about scarcity and loss aversion, confirmation bias, mere exposure, and then more having to do with choice hierarchy and anchoring. So that's where we're that's where we're going to go, Morgan. <laughs> so let's start with decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. Decision fatigue happens to all of us, regardless of what you're buying or what you're purchasing. And in business business, you really are talking to people. It's people talking to other people. So regardless of what levels they have to go through for approvals for the decision you want them to make, they're going to face these biases and these behaviors. One of them is decision fatigue. If people are confronted with too many options, they will not be able to analyze those options well. The human brain does not digest that information very efficiently. Yeah. You know what I think about whenever I think about decision fatigue, like a really good example, the Cheesecake Factory menu. Yes. (laughs) Like it is pages long. And I feel like anytime I go there, I never know what to get because I'm just like, well, everything sounds good, but also doesn't sound good at the same time because there's just so many different options and it's all just spread out. Yeah. And in ethical marketing, we do want people to make the optimal decision for themselves. And the whole problem with decision fatigue is that if you give them too many options, they probably will not make the optimal decision Mm -hmm. because they're going to be overwhelmed. And that's with anything. So you have to, if you're presenting consumers with options, you should do research ahead of time and know what their optimal options are and present them in a way that is clear and not overwhelming to mm-hmm. them. And that's like, that is present on your pricing page, on your services page, overall on your website. Mm-hmm. That's a really big deal because if they're overwhelmed on your website, they're going to shut down and then they're yes. going to leave the website, which yeah. is not the goal. I was going to say a good way to do it on websites is just categorize, um, especially if you have a lot of services, categorize them by different categories of services. So that way they can go to that page or go to that section and find exactly what they're looking for. And then you can have the benefits and all that for each service laid out there. Yes. And Morgan obviously read the book or <laughs> was taught from the book of nudge. I think it's called nudge. I, we will link that information in the show. I think actually I did a different book when I took a consumer behavior class. It was probably really related. To it was it, related. Though, we'll link both of our books. <laughs> yes, we'll link both of them. Um, categorization is the key. It is the solution. Mm-hmm. Capital T-H-E. The solution to decision fatigue is categories. So that's where website structure, like Maureen just said, comes into huge mm-hmm. play with that. Easy, easy implementation of a very widespread bias and fatigue. Okay, so we have decision fatigue. Next, we're gonna talk about scarcity and loss aversion. Scarcity and loss aversion are very, very powerful, especially we're filming this during the holidays. And if you pay attention, it's like all scarcity. Like we just went through Black Friday, which in itself is just a time period of scarcity. Because you feel like the sales are immediately gonna go And you get so many emails, it's like 24 hours left, 12 hours left, final hour. And you're like, I have to buy all my Christmas presents or whatever I want on sale right now. Yes. And loss aversion is important to consider if you're like writing an email subject line, like we just gave examples of. It's a great way to capture attention. Um, This is also in play with trials. So when we talk about B2B, a lot of times B2B incorporates some sort of software service or like trial periods because people have to pilot things before they get full buy-in. When you pilot, it's a great opportunity to take advantage of loss aversion because when people own something, they value it higher. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. If they have it in their possession, it is more valuable to them purely from the fact that it's in their possession. So if they have your program service product in a pilot, 
They're going to value it more because they possess it in mm-hmm. the moment. So trials and pilots are a really good strategy. Yeah, that is true. Okay, that was number two. We're flying through these, <laughs> but we're going to link resources <laughs> where you can learn more. Um, confirmation bias. This one we're going to spend some time on because it is huge and really, really important for understanding why messaging control is so important. Mm-hmm. So confirmation bias is when people form a first impression and then after that first impression is formed, look for ways to confirm that their first impression was right. And this is not just for first impressions. This is like if you have a certain belief or value about the world, you're always going to look for reasons that confirm that and you're not going to seek out contradictory information automatically. A way to fix confirmation bias is to force yourself to look for contradictory information, mm-hmm. but you have to force it. It is like it's not going to come automatically or instinctually to you. So that's confirmation bias. This is important because when we have a crappy website, <laughs> that is a first yes. impression. And that is a brand impression, which means that that person is seeing your brand as something that is outdated, messy, unable to update a website, like not yeah. willing to put in the investment in their overall appearance. So with that, once you form that impression, it's really hard to get rid of that impression. And that definitely may not even be the case on why they're not updating their website. They may just be so busy with work that Mm -hmm. that's not their priority, Mm -hmm. but people are still going to be like, they're not updating it. There's not relevant content. Why would I work with them? And they're going to lose potential business because of it. So that's another bias that's different but very related to confirmation (laughs) bias. That's, I can't remember, there's a term for it and I can't remember what it's called, but it's where you ascribe the reason someone is behaving some way as a personality trait and not as an environmental trait. So the classic example is where you're driving down the road and someone like changes lanes automatically. You're like, that person's a maniac. (laughs) When reality, there might've been something in the road. Like it, and it was a knee jerk reaction to save themselves. But you don't think that. You think they're crazy, not, oh, they were just watching. They were just being careful. Like that's (laughs) not how, where you automatically go. Yeah. So when your website is crappy, they they don't have to think, oh, they're gonna, they're just gonna do that next month. That's that's what they're doing. No, they're gonna think that company can't even find the resources to invest in their website. (laughs) So yeah. So that one's really important. Mere exposure is the next bias we're going to talk about. Mere exposure has to do with incremental exposure means you'll trust and like something more. So social media is a pretty good example of this because when you're scrolling through social media, if a social media campaign is run correctly, you'll see things over and over Mm -hmm. again. Once you see things over and over again, you're more likely to trust them just from the fact that you recognize them. Mm -hmm. That is really big in any marketing campaign is you have to be present. And once you start building awareness and recognition, that's why awareness is so key, then people are more likely to trust you the next time you say something. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like the buyer's journey Mm -hmm. and business to business sales cycles are so long. So obviously you have to be kind of there and reminding them like, Hey, we're doing this. Like we really think that you would find our services useful and all that. So having that I want to try to say incremental repetition. <laughs> incremental, yes. Um, and just saying like, okay, here's a little bit of information about just the industry in general. And then you work into that, like uh-huh. we're going to post a case study and then we're going to post a PDF about our services uh-huh. and you slowly build them into that buyer's journey. Yes. This is a lot of what we talk about with the artillery part mm-hmm. of our marketing. Um, go watch our marketing is the military or one of those episodes that we've done. We can also link that in the show. <laughs> we're going to have a very long show now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, 
that is the artillery. Artillery really is mere exposure. It's exposing people so that when your salespeople make calls, they recognize you and are much more receptive to that salesperson than if they didn't have mm -hmm. that. Okay, so that's mere exposure. One more, we'll talk more about choice hierarchy. So the way you structure choices, like we talked about up top at the very beginning of this section, it's really important for how people process the information. Anchoring is when you compare one option to another option and how you perceive that other option is based on relative to something else. So an example would be, you're looking at a pricing page and there's three tiers of pricing. Pricing is going to be anchored to the lowest or the highest amount. So it's going to be judged relative to like what you anchored their original perception to be. So you have to be really careful about what you price your lowest price option as, mm -hmm. because if there's a big difference between your lowest tier and your next like tier two, it's going to look make tier two look really expensive, even if it's cheaper, just because it's right next to a cheap option. Mm -hmm. So you have to control the comparisons. Um, do you, can you think of another, I know there's more anchoring examples. They're like everywhere. It's like literally every menu is an anchoring every example. Every menu. Um, I know that this is probably also a different bias from what I remember in my class, but, um, if there's like options and they're like, mm -hmm. there's one that's just, you get this. And then there's another that's like, you get this plus this. And then another one's like, you just get this other option. People yeah. are more likely to go with the one that's like yes. a combo. That's the straw man. So that's building up an outrageous option okay. to make the other options look more realistic, even if you're asking for more. Yeah. So if you have like, I don't know, I'm gonna have to do some math. If you have like <laughs> an $80 digital media package, right? Like something like that. You get something for $80. And then you say, oh, or you could spend $80 on digital media and print media. They're gonna be like, obviously I want the thing with yeah. more for the same amount. You built up that straw man for the other one to make the, the other option look better. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to nudge people towards the actual option you want them to pick. Yeah. With choice hierarchy, you have to know what your main objective is and what your like main action is because you have to structure all the other choices around it to lead to that option. Mm -hmm. So it's really about knowing who your client is and what the best option for them is because that will affect it. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Okay. Should we take a break now that we went through like all of consumer behavior in 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a new record for us. I know. We really blew through that one. Um, but like we said, we have we'll have resources linked in the show notes if you're interested about any of those. Mm -hmm. There's so many really interesting psychological studies that were done on all of these biases, and they're pretty crazy. Yes. So they're really fun to read about. But otherwise, we're gonna take a short break, and then when we're gonna come back, we're gonna talk about how to integrate all of those biases into practical marketing tips. So we'll see you soon. Welcome back, guys. So as Sarah mentioned right before the break, we're going to start talking more about how to incorporate consumer behavior into your marketing. Um, so I guess one of the biggest things that we do at ADV marketing, but also just in general people do in marketing is A-B testing. Absolutely. Yeah. A-B testing is like one of the easiest ways to incorporate finding out how your audience ticks and then leveraging it. Yeah. 
Um, examples of this that we do often are subject lines for emails. Honestly, you can do anything about an email because mm -hmm. they're controlled messaging and you can also segment audiences really easy, which are really the two ingredients of A-B testing. Mm -hmm. So anything in emails. And then websites also, if you have the right platform and hosting, you can A-B test and they can switch out certain versions of like a landing mm -hmm. page or a product page and figure out which one is leading to the action that you want. Um, you have to be careful if you're a B2B company, then lead generation is your key. And usually there's a lot of touch points before they click like a contact form. So you have to really know what your consumer journey is mm -hmm. online, but websites are a great channel to do A-B testing too. Uh, organic social media is hard. Usually you do A-B testing through paid channels. So if you do a paid campaign on LinkedIn, you're definitely going to be able to do A-B testing. And that is a, like every single campaign should have A-B testing incorporated in some way mm -hmm. because it's about optimization. But going back <laughs> to what A-B testing is and how it should be structured, you should have a reason for why you're changing things between choice A and choice B. And that goes back to consumer behavior. So you want to have, for example, email subject lines that differ based on scarcity or no scarcity. Mm -hmm. And that's your reasoning behind it. And then once you get the results in, you know, oh, scarcity really works with my audience or it doesn't. And you always want that optimization option mm -hmm. in your campaign that you're running. What can you think of for other A-B testing that we've done, Morgan? Um, well, just for a paid ad I recently did, it's not really back to consumer behavior, like the topics we talked about, but even just changing out content type was something I did. Uh -huh. I was like, would this be better in a just single graphic or in a slider post graphic mm -hmm. um, on LinkedIn and compared those two with the same relevant content on both? Yes. It's really important to have a reason why you're changing mm -hmm. between A and B, like a, like a thesis almost yeah like for any experiments like i think this will do better because you can scroll yeah like that kind of thing yeah and see i was torn because i was like the sliders post on organic content does really well for mm -hmm. them but i'm like with it being a paid ad and we've talked about this before you can already tune it out because it just looks different yeah. on linkedin and so i was like maybe a graphic would speak to them more with a highlighted yep. text yep so that's a really good thesis when that one other really good one is called actions and yes, that, that is like you can really leverage several things with consumer behavior and call to actions. But call to actions, for those who don't know, are like the last few phrasing that's like read now, download now, like the action that you want people to take out of a piece of content. Mm -hmm. So changing that up and seeing which one works best for your audience is really nice, especially having the data to know which ones are optimized. Because when you're writing like a ton of social media posts or emails, it can be hard to know like what do I tell them to do? Like, is click now compelling? I don't know. <laughs> so you can A-B test that yeah. and see which one works best. But yeah. Oh, most importantly. So like I said up at the top, I think I should have said it if I didn't, but <laughs> I'm just going to clarify. These consumer behavior biases that we went over are generalized behavior, right? They apply to a vast population and it's like on average or in most cases, people do this. And it's the slant of the human species as a whole. If you're marketing correctly, you're not marketing, well, for B2B. If you're marketing correctly, you're not marketing to humans as a whole. You're marketing to your ICP mm -hmm. or your ideal customer profile. They are specific types of humans. Mm -hmm. You're going for a specific type of market. They might behave differently. Mm -hmm. I've had cases where I really, really thought an audience would behave a certain way based on standard consumer behavior principles, and they didn't because that was just the audience that I was dealing with. 
A-B testing can give you that clarity into that. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. Yeah. And I, I mean, we talk about it a lot too because we work with technicians or ICP is engineers and technicians. Um, they just in general have a different way of thinking and it's yeah. not bad, but sometimes you do want more concise, straightforward messaging, whereas yep. other marketing tactics want more fluff. Yes. And um, that's really all about expectations too. Mm -hmm. So your audience might expect something from you. And if you deviate too much from those expectations, oh, that's another that's another consumer behavior thing. <laughs> if you deviate from expectations too much, people don't like it. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with like your intentions and like what they expect you to do. And if you went above or below expectations, it's a whole deal. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> subject matter on that, but you have to manage those expectations. That's super important. Mm -hmm. And also know what expectations you're dealing with. Okay, so that's A-B testing in general. That is an immediate thing that you can implement now for a lot of things. Um, consistency is also really important. It's a key takeaway out of this episode. From the confirmation bias and from the mere exposure conversation that we had, it should be clear that the impression you make sticks. And if you control that impression, you don't want to deviate from it. You mm -hmm. want to be consistent in who you are as a brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make that content schedule. Yes, <laughs> truly. And then also stick to your key objectives and have a central focus mm -hmm. because it's a lot easier to be consistent if you know what you want to be. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to be consistent if you're constantly changing. Yeah. That should be a quote. <laughs> well, you can quote it now. Because <laughs> I, I said it out loud on camera. Okay. Wow. So that was a lot. Consumer mm -hmm. behavior is so interesting and so fun to know. Mm -hmm. And it really is part of the reason why marketing is so fun and engaging and like really worth knowing. And it brings you closer to your audience. So I hope that everyone had a key takeaway out of this episode and walked away with a little more information about how they can understand their consumers better. But overall, I think we're going to wrap it up, Morgan. Yes. I think we're going to come to a conclusion. So this was a great first episode of season five. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.